Dynamite. I am John Pollock, alongside Waiting, and on behalf of everyone, let me exhale. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is Wednesday. It's our weekly uh, marathon. Uh, I guess a sprint, you can call it. Feels like a hard cardio session. You know what I mean? Like you're, mm-hmm. you, you've got a lot of energy afterwards, but my God, do you burn a lot during it? Yeah, it's a lot to keep up with if you're trying to take notes at the same time. Why do we do this? <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, it's a great question. How are you doing? Doing all right. Yeah, not so bad. How are you? I'm, do, I'm doing good. I'm doing very good. Okay, I believe it. I actually believe it this time. Why? Why so good? Well, um, mainly... You know what you know what I've been doing a lot of lately, Way? I'm really I'm really becoming you. You and I are like merging into one human being. I've been doing some Lego. No. Yes. Really? Yes. Well, I actually got you something um for your for your birthday recently. And uh I didn't know you were doing some on top of that. Beyond. Yes. Uh for everyone that wants to know, this is what Way got me. It is a bonsai tree. Bonsai? Yes. Yes. Bonsai tree. That is correct. I would love to say that look at this magnificent uh, 18, 18 plus Lego uh, that I did all by myself, but uh, I would be taking credit from uh, my wife and four-year-old son that largely did the heavy lifting on this. It was, uh, it was tricky. It was a little tricky. Um, I do become a frustrated Lego builder at times. You know, I got you the bonsai tree because uh, you had told me that, you know, in trying to build a Lego set with your son, you actually found it quite relaxing. And so I felt like, well, what was going to be more relaxing than, you know, a bonsai tree, an art form created for the, the, you know, for the sake of relaxation. Um, I'm sorry to hear that it actually ended up frustrating you a bit more, but no, no, no. It was more so just a, uh, I came to a standstill at it. You see the other issue, I, I do find Lego very relaxing, but the, like uh, Max just got for Easter this big, uh, like, it's this giant, um, what's the best way? It's like a giant bank, and then these robbers are coming, and you've got all this stuff to make. Like, it's a whole, like, village thing, in essence, or like this, like, street corner. So I've been working on that, but you see, when I get going, it's like I'm doing all of it, and I had to be told, like, let Max do some of it. And so I kind of got to be, like, hands off of it, so... Um, Th- that's more like my uh, my jam is like the you know age uh, age <laughs> eight to thirteen is like that that's a sweet spot. You know what? Uh, like what might be a great way of like you know doing it with him is like you know you can possibly sort or one person can sort the other person can do the actual constructing. You you can always split up tasks that way. That's to true. Make it more of a group event. I was looking today at those uh, like sports stadiums. Oh yeah, I was curious about these, dude. They are expensive as hell. I mean, it's it's all expensive. Yeah, yeah like you're you're talking like three fifty. You're for for some of these like soccer stadiums and stuff, which is nice. I saw the Home Alone set is what was that going for around Christmas? That was like the hot item. What is, wasn't it like five hundred or so? 
Well, John, um, John Cena, who actually happens to work at one of the stores, actually um, is in the chat, so maybe he can inform us. But well, yeah, I some, saw the price like today. That. It was like it, you could get for like two fifty Canadian at the where, where I was looking. Which, is that so? Okay. Honestly, not... looking at it, I'm like, that's not crazy for this setup. It would take you a long time, and you'd have to store it somewhere. But two fifty to me for like a a fun experience. I think two fifty would be my absolute limit on on like some some Lego contraption. I don't think I could go into that three fifty range. Well, well, Lego is certainly testing the limits because they know very much. Um, like anytime you see one of their their new box designs that that's all black, I mean they are target they're targeting people, you know, presumably with disposable income up in upwards of two hundred, three hundred, four hundred, five hundred, six hundred, seven hundred dollars, or a thousand dollars that some sets are coming out now. My goodness! So they're really testing the limits, and you know what? Like from the sounds of it, people line up for these things on release day, and they're they're always, I suppose, quote unquote, you know, limited edition. So um, they they continue to do really well. It seems. Do you go for like complex? Uh items to to put together like things that are going to be you know the i I don't know what the the the, uh the the difficulty range maybe they they Mm -hmm. grade it by i just go by like what the uh the recommended ages are oh i mean i i go by like the the, just things that look cool or like things i'm personally interested in i I tend to focus on on a lot of of, like themes so for me like yeah maybe the the build styles are maybe a bit more it's to me the experience and like the unique forms of construction by the way this is a wrestling podcast i understand we're seriously considering just ending the wrestling if you've been listening to our shows for like you know 10 any amount of time like you know we're done okay we're we're, put in our time okay we're moving (laughs) on we're moving on to bigger and better things it's more than a wrestling podcast it's a life podcast but um, a, a set, I've, a, a theme I've really got into recently, and this might be of interest to you, is a set called Speed Champions, which okay. is focused on like actually these cars right in the background. I have okay, I can see them. Um, they're just like they're tiny. They're not that expensive. They're like twenty bucks each, and like the, the build techniques are actually like really advanced, or at least like very unique. You know, we're talking like half plates. We're talking like plates building on the side, and um, it, it, it's all focused on cars. So I would, I would highly recommend. If you're looking for uh, something to jump onto, yeah, I'm, I'm contemplating going to one of the Lego stores nearby uh, over the weekend, but I don't know if that'll be a, a good idea. You gotta call that. call me up. Like that sounds like a great time. I might, I might. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what's what's dropping. What are what are the big items? But that <laughs> I, I was eyeing that Home Alone thing. I was like, listen, that that might be. I don't know if I'm ready for it yet. But like 250 didn't scare me off. 500 is like, okay, get out of here. That's uh, I can't I can't invest that in Lego. But. Uh, <laughs> Seems like a, a really nice, maybe something to aim for 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 Christmas. Maybe get a little, nice little Christmas fun going starting now, and by the time Christmas rolls around, you'll. I mean, hey, perfect purchase. Well, we will see. Uh, tonight we have dynamite to go through, uh, and as we went over on the new show today, no Hangman Page on the show tonight uh, due to COVID. And uh, Dave Meltzer was reporting tonight that apparently, like the show had to be heavily rewritten with Page uh, obviously figured into it, and we did get the announcement though. Just flat out Hangman Page, CM Punk at Double or Nothing, and a promo from CM Punk. So we do have our main event with a month to go to the pay-per-view. And I, I think they set it up pretty well. Like it was, a uh, you know, people popped for the announcement. It was uh, big when they made it. But obviously, I guess Page was figured into this show in a big way. I, I mean, watching the show, I didn't necessarily feel like his presence was missed. You know, I felt like his presence was actually there in the form of this announcement and in the form of Punk's promo. Even though he physically was not there, so I, I felt certainly like they managed to get to whatever they needed to. Uh, but I, I suppose where would he have figured into the show? 
you, you know, something with Punk face to face in ring. At a bit I would think length. so. I, I think probably the post match you could have done. Like Punk was was going to be on commentary, and I, I don't. They don't know, or we don't know when when Page when they were made aware that Page wouldn't be available, but. Yeah, I mean, obviously he could have been figured into uh, d- different ways and maybe just have a more elaborate way to get to the match or a back and forth. But again, you have uh, four weeks of TV before this match. I don't think this match needs a whole ton of build either. I mean, mm-hmm. we got a great promo tonight. We'll get probably some great promos from, from Hangman as well. And it's it's CM Punk going for a world championship at 43. Like the story kind of sells itself. And I think people are going to be pretty hyped for the match and we will see what what that means on pay-per-view punk going uh for a championship agreed yeah it's it's a match that kind of sells itself on paper i mean the fact that punk has been moving up the rankings and yes he is ranked number one uh as part of their ratings um or sorry their rankings i should say um i i think that that we've already been through the journey and so the build has already begun before they've even announced the match what if cm punk had come back in september and he was just the general manager and he was Tony Khan's assistant. And then Punk came out all these months later and he goaded Hangman Page into signing an open contract and then jumped Hangman from behind and then announced next week title match. Right. Yeah. And then the match happens. Uh, Punk gets DQ'd, but somehow restarts it because he has GM powers and then a count out count out yeah and then his pals could come in uh and and help uh sting and darby could come in it's three on one uh you, you could have gone that way too sounds awesome yeah. uh before we get into the review just want to let everybody know that we have um up next coming up on thursday as well as bushby and thompson's wrestling experience it's a double header at post wrestling so uh, bushby and thompson will be discussing the cruiserweight classic of 2016 starring uh, wwe hopefuls Kota Ibushi and Zack Sabre Jr. And then we are have they talking a, about the whole thing or, or, or just the finals? Well, I I don't know because um, if it's I, the I finals, told, those two are not a part of it. Well, I was told that they were originally. Martin told me they were talking about the finals, uh, but then they're tweeting about watching like all these other matches. So um, okay. it might be an amalgamation of the Cruiserweight Classic, uh, the uh-huh. highs, the lows, the uh, contract handed to breakout superstar Cedric Alexander because of his. Huge show stealing performance. Um, uh-huh. The sky was the limit for all of them. Yes, it absolutely was. Yeah. In addition to those things, we currently have up on our Patreon, postwrestlingcafe.com. You see it at the bottom of the screen right now. Uh, the latest edition of Ask Away, which was, I thought, a really interesting mailbag this week, this mm-hmm. month, John. A lot of really thought provoking, very interesting questions from our audience. So we went about an hour, you know, chatting about a lot of. Uh, I mean, kind of difficult issues, to be honest, but like, uh, I thought we, we got some interesting conversation coming out of it. Certainly. Yes. Some very good questions this month. So if you want to check that out, Post Wrestling Cafe members can grab that. Uh, this week, uh, Rewind to SmackDown will be dropping on Saturday afternoon for patrons. So look out for that Saturday. We will not be live on Friday night. Uh, so we have that uh, to look forward to. And uh, today's update, if you want to check it out, 800 words on Formula One ratings and... Uh, and quite a bit, too, on um, all the various news that is going on. So all of that is, can be found at postwrestling.com. Tonight, Dynamite mm-hmm. took place from the Leacora Center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And out comes CM Punk with his Bret Hart hoodie. And uh, I got a sense that Bret Hart was a bit of a theme uh, throughout. Yeah, they, they didn't mention Bret at all. I mean, it was centered all around Owen. And I mean, it was both of them. It was Bret and Owen. Yeah. There were... Uh, 
quite a lot of references here in this match as we kick off with Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler in the qualifying match for the Owen Hart tournament. And the two come out from the uh, respective sides of the, the entranceway and the whole crowd is chanting FTR as they walk to the ring and they unveil their Hart Foundation style trunks with the pink and black with the skull and... And then CM Punk is on commentary as well, uh, explaining the the Danhausen joke from a few months ago, uh, explaining who is hair and which one is bald. If you can't tell the two apart from one another, I still have trouble figuring out who's Dax and who's Cash. Really, I kind of do. Yeah, they're not exactly names that I think are that um, for me at least. You know, I've always had trouble figuring out who was Dash and who was. What were their old names? Dash and Dawson? Like, it was uh, Scott Dawson and Dash... Wilder. <laughs> Dash Wilder. That was yeah. But like, uh, <laughs> I think those are way worse names. Uh, to me, they're all like pretty in- uh, interchangeable, all four of those names. So I still have to remind myself sometimes who's Dax and who's Cash. Well, uh, the, the match uh, began, and we get... You know, right off the bat, uh, Cash is doing like the somersault kip up. Um, like there were so many moves in this that that if you're watching for like tons of callbacks in this, um, they get to a stalemate. The crowd is applauding. They shake hands and we get an errant thumb to the eye by Dax and Cash shoves him out of the corner and things are getting heated. And Dax just lights him up with chops before hitting a superplex and then a swan dive off of the top and. They state, don't go anywhere. Uh, you headbutt. Diving headbutt, yeah. Yeah, he, that he, he missed off the top. Mm-hmm. And as they throw to picture in picture, we go to a full-on break in Canada. Yeah, yeah, kind of disappointing, you know, especially this for This was like one of the few that I was like pretty glued to, and this was a rare time where we didn't get picture in picture. I don't know if that was supposed to be the case because um, I, I, typically when Excalibur throws the picture-in-picture, Canadians get picture-in-picture just as well. So mm-hmm. I don't know if something happened here, but I mean, I'm a little unfortunate for a match in tribute to two Canadians that in Canada we didn't get to see throughout the commercial. Yes, that is true. Uh, there's a big European uppercut exchange, uh, slingshot powerbomb that's turned into a roll-up by Cash, and then on the second try, Dax hits it. And then we get the WrestleMania 10 finish, the victory roll that is blocked by Dax, only a two count. Uh, Cash then knocks Dax off balance on the turnbuckle and goes for a backbreaker off the top with Dax flipping over in midair to land on top. That was the finish of uh, Bretton Razor from the King of the Ring in 93. And then both are on the floor. They break the count. Cash is selling his knee. Dax is setting up for the sharpshooter, but he hesitates. And Cash then capitalizes with an inside cradle that Dax reverses, catching him in 15 minutes and two seconds, pinning Cash Wheeler. The two hug afterwards, and Dax Harwood becomes the first non-ROH champion in the Owen Hart Cup on the men's side. Okay. Yes. Did not realize. Yeah. Uh, I thought this was fantastic. You know, a fantastic match on its own, but a fantastic tribute to Bret Hart and Owen Hart. If you're watching for it, if you weren't watching for it, I think it was just a great brother versus brother style type of fight. You know, um, these two, I thought did a great job of establishing their, um, I, I think, um, evenness throughout the match. They did a great job falling into some sort of, um, confused unintentional dispute between the two so that they were able to escalate and you know the choice of having i would say dax mainly playing the baby face and cash sorry which one is which one cash is the bald bald right cash cash is the one with the hair 
Cash's hair, okay. Yes. The choice hair, of, Dax is bald. The choice of having hair play heel and and bald play babyface and moving on to the tournament, I, I, I thought it was probably the wise wise choice. You know, he's the more vocal one of the two and probably the one that the fans are more likely to cheer. But either way, they, they were cheering for both of them by the end. It was a very good match. Yes. Um, nicknames we could go by, too. Hair and bald, okay. Yes. Correct. Yeah, this was a great match. Um, a lot of fun spots that they worked in here. Um, probably even more enjoyable when all the um, uh, like gifs come out tomorrow, where they'll just put mm-hmm. them like side by side of like other little Easter eggs in there. But um, this mm-hmm. just seemed like a-, a match that these two, I'm sure, have thought about for for a long time. I thought it was like a really, I, I really like this spot of like the dynamite opener. That's just like your really great wrestling match that gets two segments. You have a hot crowd. And it's just a great start to the show. Like, it gets you in that wrestling mode. And all of a sudden, you're like 20 minutes deep into the show. And I I really like just that pace of starting things off. I like it, too. Yeah. And, And, you know, it doesn't involve any sort of gimmicks. That's what you usually say for the main event. You know, the opening match is usually, I mean, a combination of star power plus just solid wrestling. So from there, we go to... uh CM Punk, who they put up the graphic, will challenge Hangman Page at double or nothing. The fans cheer, and Punk reacts. It's like, yeah, I got it. And he gets on the mic. He puts over the last match. He says he has never been in a locker room with as much talent as this one. And back in September, when he, or in August, when he came back, he asked himself if he could still do this. And now he can say, hell yeah, I can still do this. And he is a fan of Hangman Page, and that... With, without any disrespect for any opponents, except Eddie Kingston, everything up until now has just been a warm-up. I love that these two still take their shots at one another it, at every turn. That they, the second they ever want to go back to this, it's, it's ready-made. Well, what they had, I, I mean, I think we barely scratched the surface of the last time that they met. So there's still so much more story to be told, and both both of these two know it. You know, at least Punk on Punk's and continuing to keep Eddie's name uh, out there. It, it's it's it got a big reaction here, and it'll continue to get a big reaction for whatever they do meet. And both of them know to push this when they have the largest audience possible. When it's Punk speaking on Dynamite, and when it's Eddie Kingston on the Long and Winding Royal Road, like those are where that's where you cut your money promos. Mm-hmm. He thanks the fans. He wouldn't have made it to double or nothing without them. And it's taken place in Las Vegas. I'm not a gambling man, but I will always bet on myself. And he is going to bring the fight to Hangman. And he will go until the wheels fall off. So just a great setup promo from CM Punk. And we have our four-week build beginning now. Uh, Really, the build had already started. But Mm -hmm. now we have the clear direction of where we're going for May 29th. Yeah, and, and presumably this was probably the segment that was heavily edited, um, probably likely involving a lot more with Adam Page. But, you know, I, I wouldn't be able to tell that there was anything wrong with it because CM Punk is just that capable, that confident, and, and just that creative a promo um, that he just comes out in this situation, feels very genuine and reacting to the... This is what he's been fighting for, you know, for months now trying to get to this level where he feels like he's finally able to ask himself, is he good enough? Is he good enough to even make it to a world championship match? And the answer was yes. So his excitement, I thought, felt very genuine. The, 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 there's, nobody does a rallying cry like group promo like a CM Punk. Um, 
I personally prefer like th- this sort of punk raw raw promo than like let's say a Cody Rhodes type of raw raw promo. Um, but you know they're they're both very good. But I mean the punk one, uh, I I thought he was just great here. It already feels like a really big match. I'm hyped. You know what the tie-in could have been if you were going from this match with Punk on commentary to announcing this match is Paige involved here, and you go back to when he was going to try and become the first AEW champion, and who was there to present the title to the winner? It was Brett. There you go. This guy is huh. pretty much the mascot of AEW. Is Bret Hart? Like it's just it's without it's actually appearing Brett. on the show. Yes, like wow. he's pretty much like this this deity that is. Uh, well, Hey, I will say, like, among, amongst all the legends that are out there, like, who is there somebody that's more respected than Brett among an T- AEW crowd? Uh, today, probably not, like, of, yeah. of, of that, that status. I think Brett gets brought up, at least lately, Brett seems to get brought, brought up more than Sean, um, like, more than Taker, more than Flair. Um, uh, you know, like, who else is really, would you consider to be of that level? Yeah, like, for, it, for, for this North generation, it's, it's, it's Bret Hart. Like, yeah, you know, for, totally. for another, it was like, if you grew up in the Northeast and another generation, it's Bruno. It, it depends on where you are in the country. But of this age group of performers and such, yeah, Brett is going to be. Maybe uh, Eddie. Yeah. Yeah. For some. Sure. Yeah. Uh, they go through uh, to the next match, which is, or sorry, first we go to the back where Dan Lambert and Scorpio Sky do a promo listing off his accolades, his 402 day unbeaten streak and was screwed out of the title in his second defense and gives Guevara credit for past latter moments, but there can only be one face of TNT. You know, continuing from the trend, I mean, this was a total babyface promo from Scorpio Sky. Even with Dan Lambert, Lambert present, I mean, um, and you would see, of course, um, Sammy Guevara's response later. I mean, very much, um, very clear heel, heel babyface directions here. And it's not like this crowd in Philly needed anything, you know, any extra incentive to cheer against Sammy Guevara. But uh, maybe the audience at home probably still needs a little bit more. And just this just kind of gets rid of the ambiguity a little. I did not think this crowd would be as hot for Scorpio Sky mm-hmm. as they were, particularly where, where the, the match peaked. Uh, but first, we have the trios match, which is pretty much just a weekly part of Dynamite now with Brian Danielson, John Moxley, and Wheeler Yuta out to his new music, new gear that looks like a cover art for Dexter. Just with blood splattered over white. That I mean, that match with, with him and Mox and, and that bloody face is, is going to be attached to, to his career forever. Yeah. It's also a nice touch that R- Regal walks out with Yuta as well. Like that's mm. like an added thing for for Yuta's entrance. Like he's teaching him how to walk. This is it's how you it. make an entrance. That's it. That's it. And their opponents tonight: QT Marshall, Nick Camaroto, and Aaron Solo. As well, Anthony Agogo in their corner. Yes, he's still around. Yes, uh, Yuta is in his hometown, so they are going wild for Yuta. He has just um, skyrocketed to multiple higher levels than where he was six weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go through the break. Danielson is kicking the hell out of Solo. There's a dive onto QT and Komarodo, and then goes for the label lock on Solo. That's broken up by, Mo- uh, by QT, and then Moxley is in. It's two on two. Solo then shoves Danielson off the turnbuckle, leaps off into a Danielson dropkick. He tags Yuta. Yuta applies a guillotine to Komarodo, and then goes to the back for the rear naked choke. He's delivering elbows to the side of the head, QT and and uh, Solo come in and they apply rear naked chokes together while Yuta is able to use a seatbelt cover pinning Camarotto in 846. So once again, it's Yuta getting the win for the trios. I continue to love these 
Blackpool Combat Club trios matches, no matter who they're paired up against. Just I'm I'm not at all sick of this formula of them just starting the match off incredibly hot. And then just building and building and building. I felt, though, this one was maybe a little bit different in that, like, I thought it really showcased Wheeler Yuta. And it's part of the brilliance of having Wheeler Yuta be a part of this group. Obviously, it helps Yuta to be a part of it. But it really does help the group as a whole because it gives the Blackpool Combat Club a vulnerability in these sort of matches. You know, typically Mox and Brian are very overpowered as they are, you know, as a team together. By having a rookie in, or at least, you know, a, a, a trainee in, in Wheeler Yuta in there, you have somebody to, you know, for the heels to build the heat on. Um, and it keeps these matches from just being squash matches and allows your superstars and Brian and Mox to be on TV a lot longer. So I, I, I think they're great. You, they gave Yuta the win here. Uh, they've just done a tremendous job, not just with the group, but of course with him. What, what do you see as the direction for the Blackpool Combat Club going into the pay-per-view? Because over the hmm. next few weeks, we're going to see kind of all the like the card come together. And I'm kind of I think it's kind of open where these three go. You know, a trio setting, I think, would be really interesting. I mean, for a pay-per-view, you don't know. I would normally say that because trios to me often feel like more like TV setting types of matches. But this group, I think, is really hot, especially, you know, um, the Yuta storyline. So um, they could they could set any number of trios um, ready. They've got about 11 trios groups in this company to choose from that you could go in different directions on. Excalibur mentioned that specific fact on tonight's show, talking about how how many trios, great trios teams we have. So I, wonder I think if that it's was... inevitable that you, you go that direction with, with the belts when when you're ready to do it. But it's just it's ridiculous now. Yeah, I wonder if the line was put up there just you know as a teaser. I I took the line as clearly directing people to like, look at this thriving trios division that we have um, for sure. Mm-hmm. Shivani is with Britt Baker, Jamie Hader, and Tony Storm. I thought this was a rampage repeat. Uh, but they are told no physicality, and then Storm brings in Ruby Soho, and Soho says how Baker and Hater always pick on the new talent, and in the words of Owen Hart, enough is enough, and it's time for a change, and it's time for us to drop you. And Baker reminds them no physicality, and they're off to Ruby's home away from home, catering. It was a pretty funny line at the end, yeah. So, so Ruby used the enough is enough line, and I'm I'm guessing that's the, like, only one person can really get to use it throughout the entire course of the tournament, right? Okay? Like, cause, uh, come on. Like, you can't have multiple people use it. Like, what else are they going to use? Can't really use a nugget in this sort of instance, you know? Yeah, well, um, that, are, are you saying, like, you can only use the line once throughout the whole tournament? Yeah, like, in reference to Owen. Like, right. Well, they, they used it up here, I guess. This, this was their one. This was the time. This use, was the time yeah. for it. Ruby Soho backstage segment uh, in a repeat from Rampage. You know, these backstage interviews, it, 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 like you, John, I thought it was a repeat of what we just saw on on Rampage. And I honestly felt it was just as forgettable as what we saw on Rampage between these four. Because I'm kind of, I'm kind of ready for Tony Storm and Jamie Hader to have their match. And this yeah. tournament doesn't start for another two weeks. Dude, like, I, I feel they've done like multiple of these like interview segments. It's like, OK, you're going to have a match. Yep. I, I don't think, unfortunately, any of their personalities besides Britt Baker really comes across that strongly here. To me, Tony Storm is still somebody who's still trying to find that voice of who she is in AEW. Um, Soho is fine, but I would hardly say that she's good or it pops out of the, of the screen. I, I think they they need to do more than this. And I don't know why AEW continues to like stick to this one women's match you know, quota. 
for these dynamites. But I would, I would, I would love to see just even a quick squash match involving two of the baby faces or two of the heels against you know two no name people, and then promo same treatment they give for the men. I don't, I don't really understand why why they don't put G- give us something on time. Tony Storm like why she's here in AEW like mm-hmm. d- give us some backstory on, on Tony Storm if like she's kind of just idle for these weeks they're not ready to start the tournament yet both have qualified give us give us a little bit more depth on Tony Storm I know like what's been brought up about some of those video packages that you know you don't want to lose viewership but to me it's like I'm looking long term okay would you have been fine with like a dip on Rampage to air three minutes of that road to for Cash and Dax like that thing was that was phenomenal I'm not saying the whole eight minutes but three of it yes okay we'll take a dip there and that many more people are going to be have five days before this match on Wednesday like I watched that I couldn't wait for this match after watching that agreed agreed I know a lot of people Anytime we mention anything involving NXT 2.0, they they will just throw it, cast it aside as if it's garbage. But that show does a wonderful job of introducing new people by you know doing video packages. They they put a lot of work in their extra video production. We talked about this afternoon the video they did for Wesley. Um, in a short amount of time, you had a good-looking piece of footage that told me exactly what the story is supposed to be, and that's something that we we haven't had yet for Tony Storm on a Dynamite. Tony is with uh, Jurassic Express, and Jungle Boy says he doesn't want to sound like a sore loser, but he just didn't take advantage last week and win when he could have against Kyle O'Reilly. Christian Cage interrupts, calling him Jack, and said, you're not a sore loser, you're a loser, and you are acting like a sore loser. But this is a teachable moment, as uh, Christian Chase explained that you should issue a challenge to a top five team. And with that, Ricky Starks and powerhouse Hobbs walked in and they want to match with the tag champions. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, continuing what, you know, the tease that they set last week with Christian possibly becoming heel, um, sort of mentor, um, extra hard, um, on, on jungle boy here. I. I, I mean, I, I feel like the turn was always brewing in the background. This is becoming a lot more heavy-handed than I think we've been used to with this group, and maybe it's about time that they, they, they start, start to do that. Or maybe it's a swerve. We, we don't know, but something is happening here. Maybe, maybe Jungle Boy is going to graduate and go to KGU. KGU. Doesn't, doesn't really sound... I mean, it sounds cool. Yeah. You know, KGU University. Yes. What, what do you think of the name Toronto Metropolitan... Uh, University, yes, Toronto exactly. Metropolitan University. Um, is that what they're calling it? I, I think it's it's a name that there is no way that they can have any controversy attached to uh, yes. it, down the line. Continue. Yes, yes, yes. The former Ryerson University of which you and I are uh, alumni. Yes, so yes I have we, no issue with it. It's a school. Yes, we are, we are now alumni of a uh, TMU, as you have dubbed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think that'll catch on the uh, the, the abbreviated form form TMU? Timu, Timu, Timu Solani. Timu Solani, yes. Number, uh, what was he? Uh, anyway, I don't know. <laughs> Let's move on. I don't know if that'll catch on. Yeah. Lance Archer and Wardlow. MJF and Spears are in the private box. They, they make fun of Philadelphia, who use their personalities as birth control. And then MJF summons the pig. Sands music. He comes out in handcuffs, flanked by security. The crowd is chanting for him. And we've got, dude, we've got like a, like a football team of security that are with him. And they all get laid out by Archer with a cannonball off the apron. Uh, but back into the ring, Wardlow comes at him with this flying Hurricane Rana. 
flips out of the corner, spears Archer. Archer then goes for a choke slam, and Wardlow powers his hand off. Double clothesline, both go down. Archer does the rope walk into a moonsault, and then a choke slam. Wardlow kicks out. He hits the blackout, but Wardlow then uses a crucifix for a two count, which they note is how Moxley beat Archer. Archer is down, and Wardlow hits a swanton. The straps come down. One power bomb, two power bombs, three power bombs, four power bombs, and pins Lance Archer in five and a half minutes. And instead of music playing again, the crowd is just even louder now, chanting Wardlow. This thing is is working so well, absolutely. Um, I it's thought- just like a marvel to watch at, like what they have crafted here. Just the visual of it. Every mm-hmm. crowd is just into this from city to city. It just. It just works, and you have a match to build to, and it's like uh, they've just – they've totally just worked themselves into like just a great scenario with with this character, and now you you do have to pull off the match with with MJF at the end of it all. Yeah, certainly. You know, of course, like the planning and the setup and all the the security guards, all the handcuffs, everything is great, but ultimately so much, much of the success comes down to the two people in the ring. I thought I, Archer is fantastic. Like he's always spectacular in in any sort of scenario that you put him in, and this match was no different. He was he was spectacular to watch and provided a, a wonderful you know canvas for our Wardlow to you know uh, defeat and 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 do his work in Wardlow. I think what's really starting to stand out to me about him is um, he's got great facial expressions. You know when he's powering up for those comebacks. This is where a match where we actually saw him have to like you know fight from behind a bit here. And I thought he had showed great intensity in, in powering up for all of those power bombs. And it's contrasted by how calm and cocky he looks when he's walking out handcuffed with, with the security. So he's a guy who I think really understands and is, is looking really comfortable playing this role. When they do the match with, with MJF, does that have to be a long match? Or can you do this in a smaller amount of time? Like a squash? Not a squash, but not, I'm not saying like 15 how to long? 17 minutes. Like that's 15 minutes. Long. 15 I'm long, saying that's long. long. How about like under 10? Under 10? They could. I mean, it depends if it's TV or pay-per-view. I don't think this audience wants to see Wardlow doing 15, 20-minute matches. Well, how long was this one? This was five and a half. Five and a half. But I thought, I thought it at least gave you a glimpse of what, what he looked like fighting from underneath. And, and you know, you know MJF is going to like cheat like hell with, with Spears in his corner and, and who knows what else that... And it shows that this audience has enough, you know, desire to want to see him overcome obstacles. So I think you could drag something, you know, north of 10 minutes. The next segment was the Jericho Appreciation Society coming out. There was this moment where they start playing Judas and they cut to this child in the crowd covering his ears. This was the best cutaway um, that AEW has had. This was perfect. Whoever found this kid right at that perfect moment, covering his ears as Judas played, I just thought it was brilliant. A great, a great directorial choice. Ange Parker calls Tony Khan the greatest promoter ever, and they have given the Jericho Appreciation Society this time because sports entertainers are what are best for business. And then refers to the AEW Galaxy, and they have promised them no physicality. And both sides have agreed to this. So they summon Eddie Kingston, Santana, and Ortiz, who come out. Ortiz is still wearing Parker's shoes around his neck. And Jericho demands an apology from the three of them. Ortiz 
searches and brings out the middle finger. Santana then does an even longer setup for this joke. <laughs> it comes out of his wallet. During this whole time, Eddie Kingston is just pacing around the ring. There is no performer out there that makes me more anxious than Eddie Kingston as I'm watching him. Like, he just is at an intensity that is almost uncomfortable to watch. I, I think we have somebody, like like several maybe wrestlers that are back there, but like I think to me Eddie Kingston is somebody who's an example of somebody who uses probably some sort of method acting philosophy when it comes to you know his on, on-screen performances. To me, there's no other explanation for how somebody can feel so raw and so real and so intense, and maybe even a little too intense, you know, for the for the smoothness, I, I suppose, of the segment a little little later on. Santana tells Jericho that you turned on the two guys that knew you better than anyone who were in the trenches with you, and Garcia cuts them off, and Garcia is mocking them and refers to Eddie Kingston's manicured eyebrows and is trying to goad them. I thought Daniel Garcia was great here. Are his eyebrows that nice? I've never honestly noticed. Um, I'll take a closer look next time. They, um, I, I haven't noticed, but... I mean, Eddie Kingston did not uh, denounce this statement. In fact, he made reference to his eyebrows after. So I, I think it was a pat on the back. Are they, uh, they're nice. Yeah, they are pretty nice. I'm looking at You've them. seen better, obviously, huh. based on your No, time. no, they're good. I just, I, I mean, are they manicured? Um, does it require a level of manicuring? Maybe, maybe. Maybe yeah. waxing, sure. Yeah. Uh, do you take care of your eyebrows? Not really. I should. I have pretty bad eyebrows, I think. Yeah. Yeah. There was a guy in our, our high school who once like shaved his eyebrows off for the hell of it. Why? I don't a, know. A I don't know. Fan it, or something? It was just like, man, why? Why would you do this? It's very bizarre. I don't know. Well, so, well, it's, why not? It's, it's like there? it's it's such a small thing, but without them, you're a different person. Like, uh, totally. They're they're like glasses. Yes. But reverse or facial yeah. hair. Yeah. Very much. So, Kingston takes over. He says, "I hate this crap." This sports entertainment crap. We are going to get you. Stop with the crap. Let's fight. Jericho reminds him it's five on three. You guys are too dumb to realize that. And we're going to take you out one by one. And we're putting a hit out on you. Eddie Kings, this, you may as well have like just poured gasoline and lit a match. Okay. With Eddie Kingston's reaction here. Do you know what a hit means? When you say hit in my world, you end things as he makes a gesture of a gun to the head of Chris Jericho. Jericho asks, are you going to hit me and get fired from another company? Nobody else wants you. Just stand there and do what you're told, bitch. Kingston says, I can smell the fear. And he backs up Jericho in his chair and threatens to put him in the ground as Jericho is just frightened by these words as they leave. I thought this was a, like a tremendous segment in right. terms of just these guys. This is going to be a violent. This is a violent man who is going to get very violent with the sports entertainers <laughs> who are playing around to do like some wrestling storyline. And this man is out to kill. The contrast is wonderful. And, and you see a segment like this and it almost feels like the sports entertainers group was created for Eddie Kingston. Because what more opposite can you get? of uh, somebody who is not a scripted promo, who uh, is not blocking his shots that carefully. Uh, if there's anything that's being blocked, it's, you know, um, Jericho's microphone being blocked out of uh, 
Eddie Kingston's uh, face because there's a bit of an awkward moment where like Jericho had to ask somebody to pick up the mic. But to me, it added to the realism. It added to the rawness of it all. Uh, it was intense television, which I thought was great. Could you imagine Eddie Kingston in his face? I'm going to put you in the ground and Jericho tell him, telling him to face the hard cam when he says the go home <laughs> line. That's hilarious. That's great. All the, all the guys in the, in, in the show, whenever they're doing their submissions, they have to look at the hard cam. In fact, they should turn guys specifically to look at the hard, like Daniel Garcia. Next time we see him in a match, I hope every, every finisher or every submission is in front of the hard cam. That's did great. You, did you see the interview QT Marshall did? I, I cannot remember uh, the outlet. I apologize, but he was talking with Pat Buck about, some of like um, Vince McMahon's just like I guess some of his pet peeves and one of it is when the two guys are fighting on the floor and you throw them into the ring the idea of like rolling multiple times would not make sense in a, in a real setting okay. so you don't only I guess <laughs> roll over once All I just right. I'm fascinated at like how that that penetrates his 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 universe that that is a thing that drives me drives him crazy but i just so, so i love hearing say, those stories we can't say he doesn't care about realism vince uh, he just maybe cares about his distorted view of reality not at all yes the man who um once wrestled god yes interesting uh, can't can't roll a man over twice uh but anyway i i thought jericho was fantastic in this segment as well you know you need somebody to serve things up for uh, an eddie kingston to to unleash on and he did a tremendous job of that yeah, and I guess the the other thing is, you know, these two finding finding two others like they really made a big deal about the the numbers disadvantage hmm. and who would fit? You think? Um, yeah, it's a good it's a good question. Um, hmm. They don't really have like you could you could bring in a homicide, like because you okay. do have that that prior involvement. That um, yeah, I would say yeah. Loki, but uh, I don't know about that one or not. Yeah, I don't know either. I don't know hmm. what response that would generate. Uh, so then we had uh, Serena Deeb and Hikaru Shida in the Philadelphia street fight. And Shida brings out a chair. Deeb goes after the previously injured knee and then clips the knee of Shida on the apron and swings the chair at the knee, working it over. She's knocked to the floor. And then Deeb goes and gets a Ziploc bag with white powder in it. Yeah. I mean, why don't we just write cocaine on it? I mean, that, that's what everyone was thinking. Could you imagine watching this out of context if you're not a wrestling fan of what this was? I mean, a Ziploc w- bag full of white substance here, and it gets thrown into someone's well, face. Well, I don't know. Have you have you not done much baking? In, I suppose in your in your kitchen, like you know, like I, I wasn't jumping to cocaine myself. Uh, I think I think that's what everyone was thinking about. Huh. Uh, she goes well, and then goes for the deep talk. So I mean, we we definitely had a theme established here. Sure, right. It's blocked. Sheeta is blinded by the cocaine. And then has to find a kendo stick, and it's just swinging wildly and catches Deeb. But she's still blinded, so she pours water onto her eyes. There's a roundhouse knee into the chair that Deeb uses as a shield, and then wraps the chair around Sheeta's knee. She climbs up and gets stopped with a chair shot. Sheeta hits a falcon arrow off the turnbuckle, leading to a chant of, Holy Sheeta, while choking Deeb with the kendo stick. There's a thumb to the eye. Deeb talks onto the chair for a near fall. She applies the serenity lock. Serena, uh, Sheeta gets to the rope, but there are no rope breaks, Aubrey informs her. So Serena gets uh, pulls her, drills the knee over and over into the chair, and then applies the Texas Cloverleaf, forcing Sheeta to tap in 11 minutes and 39 seconds. And they show Thunder Rosa watching backstage. So that looks to be our, our title direction. 
Yep, Deeb versus Rosa, yeah. I thought the match was good, but there was certainly a quiet crowd response to it. And I thought it was also important to know that this did not take place in the 9.30 slot. This was closer to, to the top of the hour. This was around like 9.15-ish? I th- Maybe like, a little earlier? Yeah, the crossover segment was like the Jericho Appreciation Society, and then this was right after that. Sure, that's right, yeah. Um, and, you know, I personally, like, I had somewhat mild interest in the feud because it's the fifth time we're seeing the match. Um, I, I, I don't know if, if that might have affected things or maybe... I mean, I don't know, maybe it's something about about just just the crowd it, it, itself and 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 how they viewed this particular match. But to me, the positives of the match were that like I, I really enjoyed Deeb's creativity with the weapon usage. You know, she's somebody who uh, I think seems to you know show anytime there's like a, a some some sort of unique stipulation, she's she's been able to show like whether it be with her time limit challenge or whatever. Like she's been able to exhibit a lot of great creativity. So. Um, what did you think? I I liked the match. Um, I wouldn't say it was it was their best of the five. Um, I thought the crowd, like at different points, seemed to be like really into Sheeta at, at different points. If there was a drawback for me, I thought the weapons actually limited them in in a sense where I feel that these two without all of the weapons um, probably would have had like a hell of a wrestling match. Like I really enjoy Serena Deeb's style, um, and I'm kind of just worn out on like. The kendo sticks ad nauseum, and that kind of like brings it down a bit for me. But I, I can't say I really noticed it in the crowd. Um, but mm-hmm. a, and the finish at the end of it all with, with Deeb, like I mean, it makes sense where you're going here with with Thunder Rosa. So um, not not their best match. I, I think I would go back to maybe their first or, or second one, which to me were like the the strong ones in my memory going back. Um, but but I thought this was like fine for for what it was on the show, and they were putting over the fact that this was the final. So uh, for now, at least, I where does Sheeta go from here? Because I, I I feel like she's due for some sort of change. You know, is it? Can you make Karushita heal? You could. I think that um, you really need to come up with something. Uh, like a whole new character for her. You can certainly mm-hmm. do it. And may- and maybe you are at that point where she's gone through this war with Serena Deeb and come out the losing end of it. That that could justify uh, a character switch of some sort. I, I'm very high on Hikaru Shida, but she hasn't brought it all together yet. I think it's just she's missing something. And maybe that is uh, a character transformation or something. But like I- I've seen her really excel at moments and others where she really hasn't risen up to to the moment a- a- as well. Like it- It's been like this up and down for her throughout her time. And she, she did have the, the injury in there as well. Um, I, I hope there she like finds like just putting it all together because I think she has a lot of natural talent and um, is a pretty good baby face. But I think she's at a point where it's not that level of baby face where the crowd like loves Hikaru Shida and is so behind her in, in like a big mega baby face type of way. But maybe, maybe looking at her as, as a heel is a direction to try. Some form of evolution, I think, I think is in store. I agree with you, John. Like we've seen her have some level of success as, a, like, a good level of success as AEW champion. But I think the bar is set higher now after having a Britt Baker be champion, and I think doing a great job with it, having a Jade Cargill around and showing as much personality as she has. So I, I, I hope to see the next evolution in Karushida. Lexi Nair was with MJF and Sean Spears. He referred to her as Lindsay, and then when she went to correct him. He pretended to be 
apologetic, and then screamed at her to get out of his frame. And he is calm for a reason, because he has a plan for Wardlow. He calls up the big man and offers him six figures for one match. And next week, Wardlow, you're going to face someone bigger, taller, and smarter than you. And you can't teach that. Mm-hmm. Six figures. That's uh, a lot. That's I, I, is that what uh, I don't is know. That what Cass paying. is uh, charging on the indies? I don't know if Impact's paying that uh, that much. Um, six figures is quite a bit for one match. Um, but yeah, tease here of uh, W. Morrissey. Maybe it includes uh, the sense at the end. <laughs> so so really um, a grand. Yeah, one thousand dollars. Okay, that yeah. That's you, you cover the trans and the hotel on top of it, so that's that's it. <laughs> I, I said six figures. It's a, it's a, it's a wrestling six yeah. figures. <laughs> I didn't tell you where the decibel point was going to be. No, not at all. Yeah. He's a heel. So yes, it looks like we're going to have two impact talent on the show next week. Mm-hmm. Will he be Kaz XL or W Morrissey? I think both names that could use some work. I think so as well. Yeah. Um, get Vince on the phone. We need a new name. W. Morrissey. He's a guy who I think should drop his first name. A hundred percent. That letter, yeah, we don't need, uh, you know, take that decimal point and eliminate the W. Yes. Fuego Del Sol is laid out on the stage. The House of Black come out to remove his mask, but a figure is in the ring that we are led to believe is Alex Abrahantis, and we hear his voice on the, on the speakers throughout the arena warning the House of Black about messing with them, and they will get burnt. And dressing like this, uh, we have been waiting for the right moment to blindside you. And with that, Penta Oscuro walks out, followed by the returning pack. And then Abrahantis walks out from the back. So they look, and the disguised figure un- unveils himself, and it is Ray Phoenix with a shovel. And the others uh, hightail it, except for Buddy Matthews, who gets hit with a super kick. Uh, or he hits the super kick, but then gets hit with a springboard spin kick and a double stomp. And then the House of Black get hit with a triple dive by Penta, Pack, and Phoenix. And this was when Excalibur noted the uh, the growing trios division that AEW is uh, employing. That is right. Yeah, yeah. I thought the reveal was was done well. It it got a great reaction from the crowd, and you know, highlighted to me by the moment of the wonderful dive that you got to see between the Death Triangle, who I I feel like we haven't seen as a trios. In quite some time. So um, they immediately felt really hot on their return. And this feud was taken taken up a notch for sure. Phoenix has been out since the beginning of January with that elbow injury, that, that nasty looking elbow injury uh, that he sustained. But it's um, th- this Saturday, he's on the Triple Mania card teaming with uh, Vikingo against the Young Bucks. So that's a pretty big match to be coming back to. Well, he, he did have an arm brace, an arm brand, um, an elbow pad he okay, was wearing, well, John, so uh, I think he'll be more than fine. Okay. Well, then, <laughs> the, the, the brace, to brace yourself. Uh, Shivani interviews Swerve and Darby going over their history, and they're going to meet on Rampage Friday in the Owen qualifying tournament match. Swerve says, instead of calling them friends, they're rivals uh, that beat up one another. Says that Darby has grown up, and he looks forward to beating him on Friday. Darby says that this is his house. He's been here since day one, and we'll show him why this tournament is Darby's tournament. Yes, yes, Darby's tournament. Yeah. Uh, Darby sounded good. It's it's a match on Rampage. 
Um, it's it's cool. Yeah, I think it's cool for like you know if you if you if you like Swerve enough to like tune in on Fridays. But it's it's a nice bonus. I wouldn't say it's like a big attraction to me. Yeah, we'll go over the Rampage lineup in a minute. Uh, the 10-man tag saw the undisputed elite of Adam Cole, the Young Bucks, and Red Dragon taking on Dante Martin, Varsity Blondes, Lee Johnson, and Brock Anderson. Uh, Cole, Fish, and O'Reilly came out by themselves wearing their undisputed elite T-shirts while the Bucks came out with their own entrance, minus the shirts. Julia Hart is just seated on the steps, really needs to get this eye checked out. It looks like it is not healing. In fact, it might be getting worse. It is getting worse, yeah. Uh, Adam Cole had his uh, shoulder taped up. Uh, Matt ducks as uh, Dante clotheslines Kyle O'Reilly, and then Matt gets flung over Kyle at the beginning. Uh, Lee Johnson came in with a Topicon Hero, and then Dante with a springboard crossbody. Uh, we go through the break as the Undisputed Elite regroup on the floor. The Bucks save Kyle, super kicking Johnson, and then the Bucks and Red Dragon are arguing, uh, but they, they cool down, and they end up finishing off Lee Johnson with a four-way BTE trigger, and then Cole just hit the boom and pinned him in 633. Cole was not all that involved in the match. It was really just um, the, the finish. And then afterward, Cole and Red Dragon put their shirts on, they hand a pair to the Bucks, and they put on the t-shirts and all five pose towards the hard camera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, seems like just a way to kind of, you know, continue the story of will they or won't they be united and this week they will be united so um i maybe they'll how do you think this shirt will do well yes yes i imagine this is going to be a pretty good seller for for them i would think and i I would say the 10 man it was more so just establishing the five as as a as a five person team i wouldn't say this was a some some blow away match there were some Mm -hmm. nice spots to it uh but very short with with a picture and picture and only six and a half minutes, so not like a big all-out kind of Young Buck-style match. And then Matt Menard is backstage directing the camera out to the parking lot where Santana and Ortiz are, are laid out, and we see Jericho launch a fireball at Eddie Kingston. So my only question is whether it was Tony Khan or Chris Jericho that read the Sheik's new book. Um, great question. Yeah, this had I, to I'm, be I'm willing Sheik to bet inspired. Tony. I'm thinking. I thought Tony too, but I, I could see Jericho reading the the book as well. I mean, I feel like Tony would be able to fit a book somehow, like in between the Jaguars. Um, I don't know. Practice. I don't know where this guy is sitting down and reading a, a 300 page book. Um, maybe yeah. maybe got be the audio version. I don't know. Maybe you know. Um, I I I thought it was a well executed fireball angle, but I was kind of feeling like if they wanted to make it sports entertainment. I think Jericho really should have run him over with a car. <laughs> a ve- vehicular angle, yes. Uh, Ter- fireball's more like from the territory days, you know? I, I didn't mind, like, it- it's been a long time since we've seen, like, a, like a fireball angle. Um, and it-, it probably keeps Kingston out until the pay-per-view, so you can hold this off until double or nothing, I would think. Like, you have to really sell uh, a fireball. I don't know if you've ever hit been, been hit with a fireball. I have not. I don't know where you even get fireballs. Well, I used to have... Um, when, when I was growing up, we had a barbecue that the the ignition button didn't work. Yeah. So what you'd have to do is like you you'd turn it on and then you just throw the match in, oh, and no. okay. dude, it would like explode. It was just like nuts, and it was like th- there were some close calls. That does not sound like the right way of doing that. Well, it was not. It was not. I do not encourage anyone to make sure the ignition the the ignite key works. Don't do don't do what I did. 
when I was a kid. Or just get a microwave. Uh, another great, uh, another great solution. So Rampage on Friday night, uh, actually taping now. We have Swerve Strickland and Darby in the Owen qualifier. Dan Housen and Hook. So the graphic comes up. Dude, this crowd goes nuts. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how many of them could see the fine print that it said face-to-face confrontation on it. Probably not too many. I think they were just. <laughs> I would think it was picture. a smaller percentage than the amount that cheered wildly, thinking they're getting the match. But I wonder how much they hold that one off until they do it. Uh, Jade Cargill, Red Velvet, and Kiara Hogan against Willow Nightingale, Sky Blue, and Trisha Dora, um, which is cool. Like Trisha Dora is a great talent. So uh, I don't know how long they will get time wise because there is a there's a fair amount here on Rampage on Friday. Uh, they also announced Colton Gunn against Keith Lee. That should be quick. And then Samoa Joe against Trent Beretta for the ROH TV title, uh, which came with a video package after. And Trent never winning an ROH title of any sort during his time there. That will change on Friday. Big reaction for Dan Housen and Hook. Big reaction for Joe. I I I I can predict the uh, Joe Barreto match to start the show. To start the show. Mhm. Okay. And what I, I mean what? they tend to want to put the biggest names on first. I guess I guess it's possible. Yeah, they they could do that. Um and what end with with Storv and Darby? I think those are going to be your bookends Maybe. whatever starts and whatever I guess, finishes. I guess you could start with Darby and Swerve as well. Uh then we have Dynamite next week announcing the champion versus champion match, Deanna Perrazzo against Mercedes Martinez. So that's happening in Baltimore next week, which was kind of the home of Sinclair as well. I don't know if they will tie that into it uh, next week, but um, so they've got they've got the match with Deanna set. Wardlow against uh, Mystery Man that you are led to believe is Morrissey and Jeff Hardy against Bobby Fish in the Owen Hart qualifier. So um, some interesting matches. I wouldn't say anything that. Um, blows you away on on paper for dynamite next week we will see what else is added to the show yeah yeah i'm sure you'll you'll get something involving you know punk or page probably maybe making a return if he's okay um and of course the uh, the blackpool combat club how do you expect them to maybe uh promote the uh uh, uh roh uh, diana parazzo return match how they promote it um yeah like i guess they'll have impact footage they'll have some footage from ROH. yeah well i i would imagine like they've obviously worked out something with impact probably like given Cass and perrazzo that yeah i would imagine that they have some kind of footage or or they I just mean, they bring have, in they have roh footage right um they, they would have roh footage yeah which would be kind of our first example of using roh footage on on dynamite since the sale right i don't think they've used any past footage um, since since the announcement have they no i i, I don't recall right now yeah anyway Sammy Guevara, Scorpio Sky ladder match for the TNT title is our main event. Guevara walks underneath the ladder, making out with Conti. And the ladder is used right away. Guevara hit a German suplex on the ramp. And then he's climbing, uh, but gets pulled down. And we have two ladders. Uh, Guevara climbs the ladder, and he is too far away. So with Sky on the floor, he hits this insane corkscrew dive. And, dude, it looked like he wrecked his shoulder coming down here. This was such a nasty landing. They go to picture-in-picture, and Guevara is down on his back for, like, 80% of this picture-in-picture. Bryce is checking on him the whole time. Ty is getting involved with Scorpio. And then, eventually, Guevara gets to the floor and pulls another ladder into the ring. So, he continued here. Dude, this looked brutal. 
Yeah, it did. Yeah, there was a lot of concern on Twitter after seeing the spot, and they're probably still. I mean, he finished the match. He did a whole lot more crazy spots after that, so we we hope that he he's fine. But that was not a pretty landing um, from what looked to be like a phoenix splash type of cor- senton. Yeah, it's deal. like he didn't have a whole lot. Of, like Sky was not that far out, so it was almost like up and then it's straight a vertical down. drop. Yeah, yeah, it was just yeah, it, it looked really really bad. So. We have two ladders in here. Sky is on the main one, climbing for the ladder, when Guevara springboards off another from the corner and is caught with a cutter by Scorpio on, off the main ladder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not quite as uh, good-looking as the, the Cody spot, but uh, still, like, coming off of what Sammy took earlier, it, it, it was definitely, like, I had the wince at it. Ambitious when you've got that precedent with the Cody Guevara one that was not mm-hmm. all that long ago either to to try to replicate it. So then Scorpio Sky brings out a ladder that is wrapped in barbed wire, of course. Sky gets caught with a standing Spanish fly onto this barbed wire ladder. And then Guevara grabs Lambert and Conti enters the ring, kicking him in the balls, which the crowd boos Dan Lambert getting kicked in the balls. This prompts Paige Van Zant to run down and they start brawling alongside the guys. She's using uh, knees from the clinch and then hitting her with, with strikes in the corner as Jim Ross notes her, her bare knuckle background now. Uh, Guevara and Ty then drop them. They make out again, and Ty leaps onto the back of Scorpio Sky as he's climbing. Van Zant gets onto Sammy's back, so both sides, they're climbing with the women on their back and continue to fight. The women get dropped. Sky and Sammy are still on the ladder, and as Guevara gives him the middle finger, Scorpio bites his finger. Mm-hmm. Yes. This was our second night in a row with someone biting another guy's finger. Actually, it was uh, we got that with Mandy Rose and Roxanne on Tuesday. That is correct. Finger yeah. biting. Finger biting. That's allowed. Sky fu- is it biting? Well, you you can't fish hook, or you can you can fish hook actually in wrestling. You can do anything in wrestling. I, I guess you can do whatever. We've never had a, a fish hooking but, 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 match. Pete Dunne does does it every match. That's uh yeah joint manipulation um but but I guess sure all all is fair especially in a ladder match. Sky uh falls down after the striking battle and Guevara's climbing but Sky returns tips the ladder and Sammy comes down onto the barbed wire ladder that is up against the ropes. Holy shit! Mm-hmm. Yeah. The place is going insane at this point because they believe Scorpio Sky may have an avenue to win and he starts climbing. Sammy returns springboarding onto the ladder. Sammy gets knocked down again. And the crowd again is just so hot here. And he grabs the belt. And this place just goes nuts as Scorpio Sky improves to 60 and 17 and wins the TNT title for what is this? The second time? Second time. Yes. All right. The TNT title lineage is, is, is vastly growing by the month. Yeah, I mean, seeing this result, like I guess you, it does continue to make me question, like, why did we have that Sammy Rain in the middle? What what exactly was was the purpose of it? I understand maybe wanting to build to more moments. Um, I I don't know. Maybe they saw this coming somehow. Like, because I I have to imagine the Sammy Guevara baby heel turn was wasn't always going to be in the works and therefore the scorpio sky baby face turn if this is the lasting baby face turn wasn't always going to be in the works either but seeing the result here they gotta run with this it's much harder to create 
an organic baby face that the crowd loves. And Scorpio Sky has never been more over as a baby face until this moment because Sammy Guevara and Ty Conti are such a great heel act. You know, that's managed to get him there. So I don't know if they're going to have to change course with Frankie uh, Kazarian, with Ethan Page and Dan Lambert coming out of this, but I hope they run with Sky as a baby face. Yeah, and um, Paige Van Zant as well, like kind of more so in, in this babyface role, and they're obviously going with with that. And it'll be interesting with Paige, like she is training with with Gangrel, but she's also got a fight now in July, so she's kind of balancing that once like her her camp is really picking up. So. Uh, Ethan Page, Lambert, and Van Zant all celebrated in the ring, and then Frankie Kazarian walked down and congratulated Scorpio Sky, which should be the next TNT title match. Um, yeah, dude, Sammy Guevara did some just insane stuff in this match, but and after the fall, still did a lot of ambitious uh, offense uh, throughout this. But man, this crowd, they were... Do, do you think this crowd was so hot for Scorpio Sky winning or Sammy Guevara losing? Yeah, it, it, it's. I think it's a combination of both, but I mean, certainly, uh, it, it, it. I don't know if Scorpio Sky would have received the same reaction had he beaten, you know, uh, any random Frankie Kazarian. Yeah, I. I don't think so. It, it really is a kind of a combination of I think all everything, but it does show you that they have a really hot heel act right now in Sammy and Ty Conti. And I think a very good, like very hot babyface act potentially in uh, Scorpio Sky with Dan Lambert. But the question is, how do you alter a Dan Lambert promo? I mean, you can argue that he is already a babyface promo, Lambert. Um, Dan Lambert is like, given his like fandom, I'm sure this guy could be a hell of a babyface that he has in him. Or you could argue Now's the time to cut bait with Scorpio Sky from mm-hmm. Dan Lambert. Let Ethan Page be with Lambert or or just you separate that and, and put Lambert with a, a team or an individual that needs it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Do we uh, what about uh, Page Van Zant versus Ty Conti? Like it seems like they might be building some to some sort of mixed match. Like, do you think Page wrestles before this fight that she's got coming up? Well, I mean, last week they they said the whole deal with their if if he gets the ladder right. match, we get yeah. the mixed tag. So right. you've got to do that. Maybe that's the pay per view, and Kazarian is a TV match. Right. Okay. Interesting. So yeah, we still have that coming out of this as well. So this feud isn't done. No, no. I imagine I imagine it continues with with the mixed tag after mm-hmm. this. Uh, so that was that was dynamite. I, I thought like the high points were you know th- this ladder match. Um, it was very scary at times. I think they're really pushing it very far with some of these these stunts that hopefully Guevara was fine after this uh, but I guess like Harwood and Cash had a terrific opener I really like the trio stuff with the Blackpool Combat Club is clicking effectively Wheeler Yuta came off again like such a star in this I really enjoyed the the Jericho stuff with, with Kingston like I, I mm-hmm. thought that segment it, it worked and you're building towards that and I guess you had a little bit of a dip with the, with like the street fight, and I'd even say like the ten man. I think it, depending on where your expectations were on what type of a match that was going to be, it was more so just um, an establishment match. But a, a good a good episode of Dynamite overall. Like it's hard to um, you know uh, be too critical on this show that had some very strong wrestling on it. Agreed. Yeah, good match. Uh, good show overall. Um, I, if you're going to watch one thing coming out of the show, I definitely recommend the opening match between FTR. And, uh, yeah, um, maybe the Eddie Kingston Jericho segment. That was really great, too. Let's move on to forum.postwrestling.com, where you can always leave your feedback after Dynamite. We are going to start things off. 
Let's start here off with a super chat here, John, if you don't mind. All right. This one comes to us from Jake from the Windy City. Thank you for the support as always, Jake. He asks, what would you do regarding the relationship between FTR and MJF? Maybe Max turns on them, or is it just fine? Or is it fine just quietly parting ways with one another? I think they just keep them separate now. I don't think they'll just drop it and not address it. Um, uh, that, that would seem very... Um, MJF is a little busy with Wardlow, but I mean, you know, Wardlow is in the midst of turning and it could be as simple as having MJF join Wardlow at some point, you know, if they want to cement the babyface turn. But I think ultimately, yeah, I'm with you, John. I think they all, they eventually go back and, and answer those questions, but maybe right now isn't necessarily the time yet. Yeah. I, I wouldn't want to like mess up with like this, w- what they've got with FTR. I don't know if you could have envisioned this kind of a uh, month for them uh, mm-hmm. of where they are and just such a, a beloved tag team at the, at this point that, uh, you know, maybe that has just caused, you know, you just run with it. Like that's sometimes you can't predict the, w- what kind of a match quality you're going to have and the reception to that match quality that has put FTR into this unique space now. And I wouldn't mess with what they've got going on with MJF and Wardlow. No, I, I don't think this is pressing hot. that you need to address it right now either. Right. Thank you, Jake. We go to Hanzi. Thank you for your support, Hanzi. He asks, TNT, or he says, TNT title matches mean more over feuds than open challenge title defenses, even if the quality is there for open title matches. Okay. TNT title matches mean more over feuds than open title challenge defenses. Even if, Okay, so he's saying he prefers TNT title matches more when there are feuds mm-hmm. involved. I agree. I agree. Yeah, I think, I think there's, a, there's a time and a place. Like, the open challenge worked for, for the time that, that Cody had it. It was, like, it was like really engaging programming each week with these interesting matches. But I mean, there were surprises, too, that we didn't see coming. People like an Eddie Kingston or a War Horse. Yes. Remember? Yes. Uh, a, wide, a wide range of opponents. Uh, let us go now to Cody from Maine. Uh, he says, as per usual, there was a lot on the show, but what was enjoyable, but what an enjoyable two hours of wrestling. While it might not have been the original plan, I think we got the best outcome for the TNT title picture. Sammy is a heel, as he needed to be, and Scorpio gets another big moment on Dynamite, as he needed to have. I'm also very excited to see who joins up with Kingston and Proud and Powerful. With Jericho emphasizing the numbers advantage, the only question seems to be, will it be a duo who are already established within AEW or new arrivals? Yeah, so we, uh, we, we talked about that. It's... Obviously, uh, it would make sense that they go out and, and find two more after their leader is taken down with this fireball, and eventually we do the the five on five. Yeah, does this company need more new arrivals? You know, could it be somebody from uh, Ring of Honor that yes. we're not thinking of? It could be. Um, hmm. Yeah, I, I I wanted to be someone that like it makes sense. Like there yeah. there's some existing relationship or. Uh, whether it be like rivals of Jericho or like some connection with like Kingston, Santana and Ortiz. So um, yeah, you could, um, you could go different directions. There's options out there. Okay. We go up next to Jesse from the six who says, why did they end sky's undefeated streak just to give the title right back to him? What purpose did that serve? Your guess is as good as mine, Jesse. Um, while there have been some entertaining matches, I think the booking of the TNT title has been a mess since autumn when Sammy first won it from Miro. They should have just kept Miro as an undefeated TNT champion and built to a TNT champ versus world champ match or something. Which leads me to my next question. Where is Miro? Miro's been out since November. So, I mean, there's there's no update on him. I think as we speak, he is in Bulgaria, I think he said. He's been out 
rehabbing or is, has he just not been used? Uh, I believe it was an injury. Oh, okay. So with that brief return, is it the same injury from what he had before? Do not know. Okay. Don't want to. When, when was his brief return? Because I think he's been out since when, November, hasn't he? Uh, since the pay-per-view. He had the Danielson match at the pay-per-view. Yeah, well, that was the brief return. Okay, well, that was the end of the tournament. They had the right. tournament final at full gear, and I think that was the last um, that, that he has been there. Right. Okay. We go to Benjamin from Toronto, who says, uh, This show has so much happening all the time. I love the MGF Wardlow program. I wish Santana could have just got more into his promo before Garcia cut him off. And I'm loving the satire of WWE-isms by the JAS. Not Dynamite specific, but AEW in general. I know we get backstage in some promo segments, and the wrestling is great. I would love if some of the many, many talents could get more promo time. I was watching Dark and Dark Elevation this week, and there are talents like Red Velvet who just turned heel, and the broadcast team has to do some repetitive verbal gymnastics to explain her heel turn. I'm game for a punk title run, more for what it means for Paige... Page's character. For instance, Page loses to Punk, and then he starts to question himself about his station and status. Whether he was a champion, the way that a Punk has been a champion, or Danielson, or Omega, or Moxley, he feels a bit of imposter syndrome and wonders whether or not he's really on that level, and that's his road back. So Benjamin here, kind of like, you know, booking ahead for a Hangman Page title loss and what his next story will be. And that sounds pretty compelling, you know, like certainly like the Page character upon chasing for the championship has has been that sort of like uh, self-doubting character. And you can argue that he was probably hottest when he was chasing, when he was playing that sort of, you know, um, self-doubting per- personality. So losing the belt would, would be a great way to set that back up. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, you don't know how it's going to play out over the next month, but I, I think there's a pretty compelling reason to go go with Punk coming out of this, this pay-per-view for a lot of reasons. Uh, last word goes to Kate from Montreal. I wasn't crazy about the shenanigans in the main event match, not the least because Paige doesn't look like she's quite ready for prime time yet, but I thought that the last part was really well done and made Scorpio Sky feel like a proper champion. I'm glad that they went with what the crowd wanted. Sky is a babyface and Sammy is a heel. It feels much more natural that way. Do you think that they'll break up the men of the year to have them feud over the title? I can't figure out if Rampage is particularly stacked this week or if I'm just excited because it's got a lot of people I really enjoy on it. Um, I wouldn't call this a stacked edition, but I think it'll be a pretty good hour of wrestling. I'm looking forward to many of the matches on on Friday, um, but I wouldn't say it's like a loaded up uh, edition of the show. Uh, in terms of the men of the year, yeah, we kind of just uh, talked about that. I, I I think that that is a potential option because Dan Lambert as a babyface, I just don't see there being as much of a need for him in that babyface role. I think it's it's a tougher spot to be a babyface manager and much less of whether he's a great babyface or not. We know he's a great heel. And is that going to be like, is that his value on the show? And perhaps you separate him from, from Scorpio Sky. I also feel like we need a bit more clarity about this whole American top team thing. Who exactly is involved in the wrestling side of things from American top team. And can we get at least some consistency, you know, is Paige is supposed to do a mixed tag. Okay, great. But beyond that, like, are we still seeing Austin Vanderford is, uh, uh, Jorge Masvidal still going to continue to be teased. The association still Jer- Jericho is waiting. Loose. Jericho's just waiting for, uh, the Jorge Masvidal, Matt, you know, Jericho has programs that, uh, with Tyson, 
with Jorge Masvidal. I mean, Jericho's was... been waiting so long; he's already a heel. Okay, and and I don't know if Masvidal was supposed to be babyface. I forget, but I think we just make Lambert a, a a heel manager at this point. Lambert as a heel manager. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, maybe yeah. they just keep him in in that role. Um. But yeah, Sky and and Page separating. I I could see them doing that when when the time is right. I I think Page is like. You know, he, he's a terrific promo. He really does not need a mouthpiece with him. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for your feedback. It's going to wrap up the show. We are back on Thursday, live at 1 p.m. Eastern time with the post-daily news show. So check back then. What do you think we'll be talking about on Thursday? Predict. Uh, I, I predict NXT ratings. You probably mentioned that. Uh, yes. Maybe a bit of, um, well, hopefully it's all good news. Hopefully. Not bad news. Yes. Actually, we'll, we'll go over some of the stuff. Do you know how crazy this weekend is? There is so much stuff happening uh, this weekend. That AAA show, the Cinderella finals are on Friday. Noah's got their two shows. New Japan has that show in Fukuoka. Crazy way. All of always, these. Always a lot going on. Yeah. Yes. All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to Rewind to Dynamite. That's going to wrap up the show. We will speak with you on Thursday.